Let's get real. Who wants to have another surface level conversation? Not us. I'm Samantha. And I'm Christian. Two friends having raw but truth-filled conversations about the messiness of life. So buckle up and don't be shy. Because, yep, we're We're going going there. there. Hello, hello. We are excited today for an interview we have our friend Becky. So welcome, Becky. Becky. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm so excited. Yes, we are actually already talking on mic. Becky is our digital marketing director director. I wrote it down and oh digital marketing director Becky Milner here you go Mm -hmm. and we are actually talking about Sonic surprise surprise yeah so I was like let's stop and let's put this on the episode because we were talking about Becky was just saying for years she goes to Sonic before 10 a.m. to get like the 99 cent drinks we were saying like it's been like that way forever in the last couple days they have been charging her like the 250 and so she complained like a Karen and (laughs) they stopped doing it but they still Still, they aren't advertising that they stopped doing it. Do you think they it. only stopped doing it at your Sonic? Or did she say like all around they're going to stop doing it? So that's a great question. I don't know. I'm going to have to test this theory and go to like the other Sonic on the other side of town. Because yeah, you should. I'm very confused. But they did tell me today. She said, we think that they all stopped. Oh. So, but, as, awful. but yeah. as a marketing person, you said, though, you Googled it and it like still shows that it advertises that. And I have something to tell you guys that happened to me this weekend that I was like, flabbergasted at not at sonic my parents were in town and so we emerson had like an 8 30 a.m soccer game and we wanted to get lunch like we were really hungry after that and so one place downtown and i'm not gonna publicly blast them but it's a really good place and it's newer we looked it up online and it said they opened at 10 okay so we like we're like great that'll work with like james's nap time we get downtown we all like find parking it was graduation day at mizzou like crazy we like get out of the car and we go up to the door and it says on the door, actually, and we checked the days and everything, it says like 9 to 10 p.m. or something, like 9 a.m. And we're like, oh, great. It's even earlier because we were like a couple of minutes before 10. We were just going to wait outside till they open. We're knocking on the door. It's 10 o'clock. We see them in there, okay? They don't come to the door. Like, they see us standing there. They keep, like, looking, and they just ignore And finally, Justin's like banging on the door because he really wanted this food. I'll tell you after what it was. And they come to the door and he's like, hey, it's like 10.08. Can we come in and eat? And they're like, oh, we don't open till 1130. And we he was like, ma'am, your door says nine. Google says 10. And she's like, yeah. That's terrible. We were so annoyed. We were. It's annoying. Like, yeah, this is the thing. I love Sonic. You know, honestly, we want to get sponsored by Sonic, so I can't even blast them. But like, I feel like Chick Fil A. They are like superior in their communication. You know, they would never let something fly through that. Like, they would never not communicate a change in something like that, or like a new menu item. And it's like in every Chick Fil A. I feel like Sonic is classic for like not being totally cohesive in all their like menu items and prices. A different Sonics. They use like a ghosting technique. Like they don't want to announce that they're taking something away. But I'm also like, that just makes people mad though, because it's false advertising. Oh, so So. that's a term in marketing, like ghosting. You just like quietly make a change because you don't want to cause like uproar about it. You know what? I kind of just made that up. But oh, she is a genius. She's a marketing genius. She's a digital marketing director. No, literally, like (laughs) I have gone to our Sonic before. I can't remember what I was trying to order. It was like something like one of their new blizzards or desserts or something that I saw on a commercial. And I remember I was like, I want that thing so bad. I go and they're like, oh, we don't have that one here. I'm like, what do you mean? You are my local Sonic. Well, maybe they just hadn't gotten it yet. Yeah, but that's weird. Like you shouldn't put a nationwide commercial out if your places aren't prepared to serve. Or like a disclaimer, you know, like only yes, at certain like, locations. Yes, yeah. that's why I'm like, People you know, get 
That's when people get mad is when they expect something because yes. it's out there. When expectations are missed. Let's all go around the circle and talk about our missed expectations <laughs> I'm telling in our you, food. this restaurant, though, it really did upset me because I was like, you could have at least come to the door and been very like, oh my gosh, you guys probably think we open early. I'm so sorry. We haven't changed that on Google. Yep. This is why we're not opening. in a gracious way. Yeah. Like they could have. Okay. Anyways, let's jump into this episode. We are doing our <laughs> intro episode today for our new series. And so we wanted to start out. Becky actually kind of had the idea for this series. Will you just like explain to everyone the idea and what you shared with us? Yeah. So a couple of months ago, again, very behind the scenes person. This is not my forte, but I'm excited to be here. We were meeting a couple of months ago, Christian, Samantha and I, and then a couple others on the team talking about just some potential series ideas. And we kind of all like latched on to this one and sort of could identify with it, sort of seeing it play out in the lives of ourselves a little bit, obviously, and then our friends too, and just in the culture in general. And so it's kind of this whole idea of where is Jesus locked out of your life? And sort of the analogy that we used talking about this was thinking about your life as like a house. And, you know, everybody's got rooms in their house, like a closet that you stash all your stuff in if somebody's coming over and you're about to host and it's like full of so much junk or like a junk drawer or just like these areas of your life that you would never even consider opening up and airing out your dirty laundry if you have a guest coming over. And so it's kind of this whole idea of like, where are you compartmentalizing your faith? Like, where are you saying like, Jesus, you can have access to this room because this room feels a little less messy, but like this room over here, like I've done a lot of things that like, I don't necessarily know if I'm ready to like totally give you lordship over and totally give you access to this area of my life. And so just this whole idea of locking Jesus out of certain aspects of your life. So like we wanted to talk about like why it's so important to give him access and yeah, like just what that looks like practically. Even as you go through that analogy, again, it makes me even think of like grandma's house. Like we all remember grandma's house growing up and it was like the one family room that was like too nice that we couldn't go in. Mm -hmm. Like she spent all the money there. Mm -hmm. The like covers were on the couch. There were like <laughs> glass trinkets everywhere. And it's like you guys as the grandchildren are not allowed to go in that room. And I literally think about it like that, too. So it may be a room that is really messy that you're like, no, God, you're mm -hmm. locked out of that. That's too messy. It's too bad. I don't want you to see that. Or it could be a room that you're like, Ugh, I care about that way too much. That actually is more superior than you. I actually think that is better. Or I've spent so much time, so much money. I'm invested in that room. And so you also can't spend time there. That's really good. You yeah. know, that's yeah. hard. Yeah, because sometimes mm -hmm. we don't block people out because it's messy. It's more just because like, well, I just don't want to. Okay, Christian and like, I, I have Becky, it perfect. It can't be any more perfect we were than this, like, you know? One day after we decided to go with this idea, I like ran with the analogy in such a weird way where I started talking about like interior design and like old furniture makes me You know new. when you're on a voice memo and you can't retract the whole voice memo and she goes, this idea is stinking. She's like, take this out. Yeah. I don't know why I'm going there but so far. to push that example, like there are times maybe my house cleaner just came that day and it's like, hey, should we invite the so-and-sos, usually the new and partners over, just like order pizza and play tonight? And I'm like, you know what? No, because I don't want to have to then I'm not okay. rude I'm saying like rude. I'm trying to Mouth go and just drop to the floor like my kids aren't good enough for I'm your trying home. to go into the analogy of like the playroom's perfectly clean and I yeah. don't want to have to get it messed up again it's like yeah that's again me stretching the analogy but you guys get it but it really is so good so it kind of goes both ways I mean in the Bible we talks all the time about that the gospel is really transforming your life I think when Becky kind of brought us this idea we were talking and even personally in my life I've been really convicted recently 
of even how I interact with like non-Christian friends. And what is always most attractive when I have always seen someone who follows Jesus, my gosh, their life just looks really attractive. And I'm like, because they've allowed Jesus and the gospel and the sovereignty of God to transform every area of their life that I can see that in how they spend time with people. I can see that in how they spend their money. I can see that in how they host people. I can see that in how they sacrifice ease or comfort for their family. And that's what really is attractive. And so I think that's what really like pulled me in too of like, are we allowing God to transform every area of our life? Or are we saying, eh, you can have reign and sovereignty you know, lordship is what you said, Becky, which I loved. Like you can have that in these areas, but not in these others. Yeah. It's It's hard. It's good. Really, really hard. What are some areas that we think we see? I'm just like really jumping around now. Like in our culture, it's easier to, well, I say easier. Sometimes it's harder to look inward and pick those things out. But like, what are you thinking, Becky, like that you're seeing in culture that you're like, okay, yeah, you can say you're a Christian or you are saying you're a Christian, but like then you're doing or saying this and this is confusing. Yeah. Well, and I've been thinking about this a lot too, because I grew up in a very like Southern Baptist-y sort of, I'm from Tennessee. Like I grew up kind of with this mentality of like, there are certain even aspects of like different denominations in Christianity that like things that they do even, I feel like are different than what I think is okay. And like, obviously there's been a lot of growth with all that, but one of the big areas for me has always been like drinking. I feel like that's something that it's like, Are you going to allow Jesus lordship over like something that feels like this really innocent, like social thing that you do with friends? Or are you going to act like almost superior because you're like, well, well, we don't even talk about drinking. So like Jesus is clearly Lord over our life. It's kind of the opposite of what you're saying, Christian, sort of the people who are more like, I don't know, it's, it's not that grace type of thing. I don't know if this analogy like is going too far. Maybe we don't need to cut this about alcohol, but no, no, I like that one. That's good. I really like that one. Yeah, because I've been on both sides of that, too. Like, I grew up Southern Baptist and, like, totally know, like, that, like, not participating in something, too, can almost, like, become the idol, too, of just, like, this judgment then that breeds of that or this just, like, well, if I just do these certain things, that must mean that Jesus has full control over my life. But I then don't actually know him. I'm not actually, like, intimately meeting with him. And there are actually other really nasty dark parts of my heart that I just kind of ignore like that would be another good example of like it's easy to pick apart like oh okay yeah I've been drinking way too much like I clearly see outwardly that that's not how God wants me to live and like I want to confess and like grow in that but what's harder I sometimes think with the locked parts are like oh I don't realize that I'm like super prideful or I can never like extend grace to someone. And so like those are the parts of our heart too that we really want to think about is like, where is it not so obvious too? I mean, we're going there in this series. And so we will break some of these downs or break some of these down every week. But I'm even just going to go there and saying like, I think one of the areas that I think it's easy for myself or other people to lock out is like our finances. You know, not a lot of people see your finances. And I think it's really easy in our culture today to be, if you are even even like a successful person or not, but it's really easy to outwardly show how you're spending your money. But are you giving to your church? Are you giving money and tithing every single month to your church as the Bible commands? I think that's really hard. It is hard. I think another one that's really hard, I'll say it because I'm going to do that one later in the series, but is our sexuality. I think it's really easy to say, I believe God is sovereign in my life. I believe the God of the Bible. I believe that Jesus came to earth as a human and died and rose. And I think you can say all those things, but then I also believe love is love. And I think anyone can love anyone. 
And I think the Bible says something really different than that. My chest is like tightening up. I know, <laughs> no, but we're going to go yeah, there because yeah. I think it's confusing. I think it's hard. Buckle up. Buckle <laughs> up. Don't we're going there. Oh, gosh. <laughs> gosh. I know. Yeah. Well, and I think it's so true. Yeah. And we're jumping around here a little bit, but I think we were so passionate about talking about this topic and all of these things is because I think the danger of it is, is we're creating a culture where it's okay to be a lukewarm Christian. And in the Bible, it's really clear about the dangers of being a lukewarm Christian. And I think that's scary because again, if we talk about, if we're going to win people to Christ and if we're going to show them a lifestyle that is actually transformed by the gospel, then how are we going to do that by being hypocrites of saying like, I believe this, but then I kind of think this thing in the Bible is flexible. Or I believe that God is sovereign in this area of my life, but I can also like not tie Then I don't really need to read the Bible because like I just know in my heart and mind that he is the king mm-hmm. of creation. Yeah. I remember when we were still talking about this episode and maybe we can look up some of the scripture too about being a lukewarm Christian, but like that came to my mind like a week or so after Becky, you brought this up of like, it really is kind of, if we think about this analogy of locking God out, then that is this example. Then we see in scripture multiple times of this lukewarm Christian kind of life. And I vividly remember being in like youth group, you know, I'm a Southern Baptist church, like every Wednesday night, like sitting there and them doing a sermon and talking about that. And I felt for the first time in my life, like I saw that really clearly in my life because who I was on the weekends and the way that popularity was really important to me and like like friendships and like just engaging in things that like clearly was not the way I should be living on the weekends. But then I was like coming to church and like, I had everything else like figured out and sorted out. And so I was like clearly living this like double life. And I remember them saying like, God literally says in scripture, he would rather you be like not a Christian than to be a lukewarm Christian. And I think we could dig into that more too of like the reasons are like, that's why we live in a culture where Christians are viewed as very hypocritical and like really confusing because when you're lukewarm like that, you're kind of gauging your beliefs and your just like how you're going to live based on culture. And as we've seen, it shifts constantly. So then people look at your life and they're like, there's nothing consistent about you. You say you love this God who says certain things in the Bible, but you are then telling me like, you believe this now and this is different and like that doesn't matter or you want to like leave that open for interpretation. Like that's really confusing to people. Well, and it's almost like you're just cherry picking what you want and what you don't want. And like we can all, I think what's so interesting about faith or just people's idea of faith is that Like with other areas of our life, like in marketing or like in business, like if someone was cherry picking their way through like a theory in science or something, you'd be like, you're obviously phony. You have no clue what you're talking about. Like we are really clearly saying that. But then in Christianity, somehow, even as Christians, we're like, I can cherry pick and I'll convince someone still that this is real. And it's like, no, that makes no sense. Like it makes no sense to only say he's king and sovereign here, but he's not over here. And that's for you to decide. We're like in no other like place or area or like realm, does that really like normally win people over? Right. It's like you want the benefits of being a Christian, but without a lot of the sacrifice, which I think like that whole idea is very rampant in the culture They're in calling general. That vam- did you tell us this or did you Christian vampire Christianity? Did I say it or who? I thought you no, said it, Samantha. It- I think I might I have it was seen it online when I was yep. like, doing research. Like, it's literally called vampire Christianity. And I love that. I want salvation, but I still want to live the way I want to live is kind of the idea of that. Yeah. When we were just prepping for this, one thing I was just kind of convicted about was the phrase Lord and Savior, how 
when in the Bible it's referring to God, it's like over 288 times he's given the name of like Lord and Savior. And I just thought of like really breaking that down. So we're saying if we call God Lord and Savior, I think a lot of us, it's very like attractive and easier to say like, well, for sure, I want him to be my savior. I want him to. I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to go to hell. I want him to save me from hardship in life. I want him to like bring me good things. I want the blessings of him being my savior. Like that sounds really awesome and loving and kind. But then he's also called Lord. And so are we also willing to say like as Lord, that means we give him reins, that we submit to that, that he's superior, supreme, sovereign, that we recognize he's in control and we are not. And I sit there and think, oh, gosh, as Christians, do we actually believe and do we actually live like he is Lord and Savior? Or are we just picking and choosing? Samantha, answer the question now. Oh, I was, I'm like trying when there's three of us recording. I just like I'm constantly every time we talk about something, I'm like, OK, like give a second so that someone can jump in. You know what I mean? It's yeah. so hard. So I'm just like, OK, I'm I'm internalizing that. It's hard. Yeah. It's really hard. What do you guys feel like? I mean, we're all just going to get vulnerable here. But when we talk through if you could, you know, ha- you don't have to share the room necessarily that you don't want to share. But why do you think we as Christians, if we call ourselves followers of Christ, why do you think, though, sometimes we don't want people to see a room? Like, what do you think is most common? Like, you could answer this for yourself or just in general. What are some of those things that you're like, I just don't want to go there because this? So I think a lot of people think, and I'm thinking more in terms of kind of like the social aspect of like, well, if I'm a Christian, am I going to be weird? Like, am I still going to be able to like hang out with people and go out and do fun things? Like my Enneagram seven is showing in this because I'm very like FOMO. I want to be a part of what's going on. I want to know what's going on. I want to be fun and exciting. And so I think for some people myself included, like there's this temptation to kind of see the grass is greener on the other side, possibly like, oh, well, that looks a lot less restrictive. Like that looks really like it might be more fun over there. Like I'm going to be kind of this like wet blanket that's like, well, no, sorry, I can't do all these things. Because I think like I've seen so many examples in my life too, of kind of, again, like that's why I started getting into the drinking thing. Cause I feel like that's such a divisive issue, especially in the South. And I think that like, that's one area where I've seen so many people sort of swing the pendulum in the complete other direction of like, no, we can't like be around that. We can't talk to you. We can't do this and sort of write you off. And so I think that like the danger is swinging it too far the other way of like, well, no, I'm going to prove that like, you can be this really God-centered Christian, like he's Lord of your life and you can also have fun. But I think people think maybe that it's like more fun to not let him. Yeah. Becky walks in the room as a Christian and it's like, oh, bummer. She's here. That's what you're afraid of. (laughs) Right. right, If you know Becky at all, it's literally the opposite. It's literally the opposite. But yes, I think, I think that's really true. Yeah, for sure. That was good. Yeah. I think this is true in my life, but also just true of a lot of like, especially women, like sometimes I hate to be stereotypical, but like some stereotypes are just true that we kind of want God, like we want the benefits and the blessing of like the comfort of God when we're going through hard things or just to like have that security of believing in a bigger God. We like want him to be in control when like your child's going through a health scare and they have like a surgery or like a diagnosis that you want him to then take control of and like heal them. Or if your marriage is in a hard place, like you didn't want God to have the control. But then when like things are good or easy or things are working out, like we really want that control. Like, well, I'm not going to allow God to like dictate how I spend my time. And like when I say it out loud, that sounds really extreme. But when you think about it, that's how we live because we say like, oh, well, I don't have time to sit down and read my Bible. I mean, like I was just writing this blog post and 
it's crazy because like I was writing about alternative ways that you can spend time with God because like we live in such a culture where it's like so hard to read your Bible. But like as I'm writing it, I'm like, I literally want to like erase it all and just in all caps be like, just freaking sit down and read your Bible. (laughs) Like, (laughs) yeah, like, why do we need alternative ways? That's actually us just like idolizing our own time over the time that God is giving us on this earth or anyways. And it's reality and like, great, great. I I think I had some great ideas, but it's just like, you do have to kind of sit there and say, yeah, I mean, some of these things sound extreme, like, oh, I'm not really locking them out. But then when you start to look at your life, it's like, okay, well, is the media I'm consuming? Like, am I saying, oh, God, like you can have all of this, like a part of my life, like you can help me decide what career I should take, like, because I need that reassurance. But like, I'm not going to like listen to you if I feel the nudge that like I should stop watching The Bachelor. Like, no, are you kidding me? Like, and then we start going down these things of like justifying a lot of things. I don't know if that was kind of going too far. Oh, no, but. I think that's so good because like I was going to say like, yeah, for sure. It's like I normally lock them out because I want to be light, kind of like what Becky was saying, or I just want to be comfortable. Like I want my own thing. So like when you talk about media consumption, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to watch that thing that I know I probably shouldn't be watching because I'm like, no, Lord, I don't really believe that like you need access to my mind, which is the dumbest thing because he literally created my mind and like knows the inner workings of my thoughts. But I think a lot of time I lock him out because I'm like, eh, I'll figure it out. I want the control I want like that ownership of my own. I don't really want him to like reign or be superior in that area, which is so silly of me, but we do it time and time again. Totally. So I think a good warning sign for me personally of starting to realize like, okay, I haven't given Jesus like full access over that area of my life is when I start to feel that defensiveness rise up. I think The Bachelor is a good example. Obviously, these are, you know, all these things that I've brought up, I feel like are very surface levelly, like Bachelor drinking, all these things. But I think it's true. Like even, I think it's a good point though, of like, even these things, like are things we need to examine. Like something that you do feel like should just like be tossed in a junk drawer and it's not really that big of a deal. Like, I think that that matters too. It's this full access that we need to give to him. And so when I start to feel that defensiveness rise up, even if it's something that is seemingly insignificant, like a show or something, I'm like, maybe it is okay to do this. Like maybe it truly is. But like the fact that I'm starting to like feel defensive about a certain thing is more the problem because it's like, that's when I'm like, what you're saying, like, oh no, like I still want that control. Like, I feel like he doesn't deserve that control. It's kind of that whole idea of like, well, no, like I probably know like what's better for me. Yeah. Like, yeah. Than he does. Yeah. Of course I do. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. This is so good, Becky. Cause I'm like, one of the red flags for me, I would say is I don't want to bring other people in on it. Obviously I have really good trusted friends who I also believe are like following Jesus and intimately like pursuing a relationship with him. So I for sure want to be someone who like confesses sin and confesses issues to them. And when I know that I should probably share something like, Hey, could you pray for me in this? Or I'm really struggling with this and I don't want to share it. I'm like, Ooh, I don't think I'm going to share it with them yet. That's I'll good. I'll figure it out myself. Right. Yeah, yeah. I'll stop doing that myself or whatever. And I don't want to bring other people in. Yeah. That's a major red flag for me. The defensiveness one is so good. Cause like, even when someone's trying not to like be direct or offensive to you like I've definitely had those moments where like someone will say something I'll be like no it's not like and they kind of look at me like why are you so like emotional about that and it's interesting going back to your example of like the small insignificant things in the last episode that we were recording before we started talking to Becky it's in this series and Christian and I come back to this a lot but how in life like you can just be like a degree off from the truth or what's right but then you wake up days months, sometimes years 
down the road and see that like all those tiny little like slight movements to the left or to the right from what is truth actually has turned you in a complete different direction. And that's what I think sometimes I have to do when I have in like we joke about The Bachelor specifically because I guarantee you right now I could jump into starting to watch The Bachelor now and I my heart would be in a very different place. I think it would be fine for me like but years ago I became like so obsessed with it and was like listening to every single Bachelor podcast that existed and I I didn't think it was bad. Like nothing was like wrong about it for any reason other than one day I started to realize like, wow, I spend a lot of my time consuming information on something. Is it fun and entertaining? Sure. But like it just was consuming so much of my life. And so like that's why we joke like we quit The Bachelor, all these things. But it is true. Like sometimes we have to recognize that those small little things actually are creating more of an impact on our hearts and minds than we're realizing. Well, and again, not to repeat myself, but I love to like, I have to reconcile these examples in my own mind because I think it's like, sometimes that's in our human condition, it's hard for us to understand like that's what it is with faith when we all know that about other things. So like take a diet, for example, if you're trying to live a healthier lifestyle and lose weight or get more fit or healthy, if you're like, I'm going to work out really hard all day, but then I'm going to come home and eat a pint of ice cream every night. Anyone would tell you like, well, that's probably not going to put you on a path of like success because you're still eating a pint of ice cream every night. If I'm really trying to like hone in on my budget and I'm like, hey, we really need to be budget conscious. But every single day I go to Starbucks and spend $10 on like a breakfast sandwich and a coffee. Well, like, I'm still making ha- obviously like that could be written in your budget, but you get the point. Like there's little things in my marriage. If one of our boundaries is like I don't text a man apart from my marriage, well, then like that's a major boundary that people could say, oh, yeah, of course, that's not smart to make those small little changes to what you think is right. But in faith, somehow we say, like, it's okay if I just don't give him, like, though my media consumption or it's okay if I just don't give him all my time or it's okay if I don't give him my friendships or how I. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's just it's crazy how we reconcile that with other things. But then we, for some reason, are shocked when it comes to faith or our relationship with God. Yeah, I feel like going back to what Samantha was saying too, of like just being like a little bit off and like kind of definition of sin, like missing the mark, like just being a little bit off this way or this way really, really makes you thankful for Jesus and the fact that we don't have to be bound by the law and that like how impossible it would have been to uphold these things on our own. And so I think like talking about this, like it can start to feel sort of weighty of like, you can fall into this like idea of like, oh, like it's feeling like, you know, I need to like really, really try harder and strive and like, you know, muster up my own strength to make sure that like I'm giving him access and I'm doing this dirty work of going through my like files of like what's wrong and what's right in my life. And what I think is such good news for all of us is, you know, y'all put on these on your notes beforehand, Romans 12, one through two. And I was reading that in a different translation just because I like to kind of compare And I love how this worded it. And I feel like it's kind of like the answer to how to get out of that rut. Is it the message message translate? It's very close to the message. This is called the passion translation. They've only done the New Testament. It's so good. Oh my gosh. It's similar to the message in that it kind of has like a modern spin. Is it from the passion church doing it or no? I actually don't know. Okay. It's really, really good. If y'all ever want to check it out. Verse two, so it says, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. And I love that because I think it takes, 
it's so clearly like as you're reading it, I just feel this weight lifted of like, this isn't my job to change the way I think. Like that's the Holy Spirit in me. He gives us the will and the action to do what pleases him. He puts in our minds like, no, these are the things that you need to be thinking on and dwelling on. This is what should be this beautiful, satisfying life that's ultimately glorifying for him. That's an inward work of the Holy Spirit. That's not us striving. That's us just the answer for all of this is just abiding in him and laying all of this at his feet and saying, here is my mess. And here are these areas of my life that feel like they're either too messy or too neat. And like, I need you to like do the inward transforming work and give me the way it words it like a total reformation of how I think like, we don't have to muster this up on our own. Like this is the Holy spirit working within us, helping us to even change our desires so that we do what's lovely, what's pleasing, like we think and we dwell on these things and that comes out in like the fruits of the spirit that we bear. So I just think that's such good news. It takes the pressure off of us. You're right. I am so glad you read that because Mm -hmm. even the word satisfying, I mean, we were talking about just the blessing, what comes with, we all crave to feel seen, known and loved. And that we could all say like that leads to a satisfied life. And I think that word is so just like rich to me. We're like, I just, again, love that you read that because like when we abide, my, when you said that like what does that mean like we get to rest we get freedom in that the holy spirit like equips us to desire different things to desire things not of this world but of god in that what actually lasts like eternally and what a beautiful thing and you said this and to just reiterate too like there are times where i can see that i'm not desiring what i know god desires for me And instead of I have had seasons of my life where then I try to be the one to fix that, like you're saying, like we don't have to rest in that. And like you just mentioned, like we can literally pray and say, like, God, change my desire, change my heart. Like, I'm going to admit to you, I don't feel like I need to do that right now. But if that is what you're asking of me, like, would you soften my heart to see that? And that is part of us like growing closer and more intimate with Jesus, too, because that creates this like reliance and like honors him in such a way that I think, of course, he's like, yeah, let me do that for you. Like, of course, you're asking me to change your heart. Like, that's what I do. Like, that's why I'm here. That's why I get to live within you and like make you new. And so I love that idea, too. And an amazing practice for us as Christians to also humble ourselves, to recognize even in that humility and even coming to him in prayer like in that act saying like, you are sovereign. I am not. You are in control. I am not. You are superior. I am not. Like all of those things that we as humans need to be reminded of. So just to give you guys like a little prep as we wrap up some of the topics that we're going to cover, what are some of the series episodes? Uh, Well, we're starting out with yourself. So we are doing myself. What are some of the other ones? Sexuality. We do sexuality, relationships, and my stuff. My so stuff. So time, yeah. Yeah. Resources, resources, all of the things that you think you yeah. own. Yeah. So before we close out too, I did want to share this. I actually found this online, so I can't take credit for these words, but it was so, it just like wraps up everything we're saying because I think sometimes it can just be easy again to justify like, well, does it really, really matter? We've already like picked that apart why it does, but I like how this is said. It said, when God is left out, our wisdom becomes worldly. When God is left out, we don't really fully know him. When God is left out, our souls are left longing. And when God is left out, our witness suffers. And those four things right now, I'm like, yes, absolutely. That is like exactly what we see in the world. And that's what we don't want anymore. Yeah. And why it matters and why we want to work on it. Yeah. For sure. Do you have anything else to add, Becky, about our series or these thoughts? 
Yeah. Well, first of all, I'm so excited for it. I know that it's going to be so good and I can't wait to hear it. Thank you all for having me on this first one. Y'all might've seen this at some point on social media. I've seen people share it, but I saw this the other day and I just felt like it applies to this series. I think that there is nothing, even if you don't feel it right now, like there is nothing that you could do. There's nothing better that you could do than go ahead and just lay everything at his feet and give him full access to every room of your life. If that feels intimidating, just know that like you will never know the true peace and joy and love and satisfaction without him. And I saw this post on social media. Y'all might've seen it at some point, but it says, if you feel like it's too vulnerable, it's too messy to bring your full life to him. So religion would tell you, oh, I messed up. Like this room's too messy or this room's too perfect. Like I messed up. My dad's going to kill me. And then the gospel says, oh, I messed up. I have to call my dad. And so it's this whole idea of like, that's what he's sitting, like waiting for us to come to him. He's sitting there with that mindset of like, just come to me, like bring your burdens, bring your mess, lay it at my feet, abide in me. I'll give you the will and the action to do what's right, to do what pleases me and to bring me glory. Like you just come to me. That's all you have to do. So yeah, just open up your life. I would just encourage people don't lock him out. Even if you feel like it's intimidating, like that's when listen to play when you just surrender it all at his feet. And when you seek him first and then everything else is added after that. Mm, that's so good. I, yeah. I love that. And I, we hope that through this series, you are able to learn more about the character of God. If you don't know him or if you've never experienced that, that he is a God who is all loving, but all just and all powerful and sovereign, but all loving and kind. And I think that's sometimes so hard for our human minds to kind of wrap our heads around. But we hope that through this series, it encourages you, challenges you, but also you get to learn more about him. So thanks for joining us today, Becky. And we're really excited to dive in. Yeah, thank y'all. Hey, thanks for going there with us. If you loved what you heard, don't forget to follow along with us at Going There, the podcast. And it also means so much to us if you subscribe to our podcast and shared it with a friend. Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon.